All right, you bunch of yahoos, strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. And welcome back to another episode of Toxic Masculinity, where I have my co-partner in crime, the other mustachio man that has graced the, 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 the octagon cage, Don the Predator Fry, and yours truly, Dan to be Severin. Today's guest here, we have Mr. Gary, is it, am I going to pronounce it correctly, Ray Bine? Perfect. Yes, you got it perfect, okay. Don. All right. All right. Good. I just, and, and, and the, but we're, we're going to be talking to Gary about actually a number of different things. First off, I mean, the fact is that uh, you are a, a self-made man. I mean, that's what, uh, that was one of the first things that, that uh, caught my attention is that uh, uh, you didn't really jump into a family business. You actually started something on your own and uh, you made it work for you. Absolutely, you know, and it, but it's uh, it started with work ethic, right? My my dad was a uh, kind of a, my dad still today at eighty three years old is a hard ass, right? He was a he was an old Golden Gloves Golden Gloves boxer. He was a, a, a you know he's a factory worker, um, kind of a brawler guy, and and uh, um, you know he's he was a, he was a great he's a great guy, but uh, he didn't take any crap and he didn't let his kids get away with anything. And uh, he had us all working by the time we were 10 years old. We were doing something. If we weren't doing something on our own to make our own money, he had us working. So, you know, he cut trees, sold firewood. So we were splitting firewood, cutting trees, hauling logs, and, and doing whatever it took. And, and I think that's important. We don't see enough of that. Uh, back then, it was probably more common. But uh, my four older sisters, myself and my brother, all learned how to work at a young age. And that, and that was one thing. And then, then I, I got into wrestling at a very young age, I think, uh, Second, third grade, fourth grade, whatever it was, I got into wrestling and loved it, liked it a lot. Um, so my brother and I were both wrestlers, and I think that helped also, not just in, in, in uh, you know, work ethic and in a sport that, that puts you, we, we were from a wrestling wrestling school in Fo uh, Fox Lake, Illinois, called Grant High School, and the junior program was very strong. So uh, we had a lot of wrestlers in Fox Lake, Illinois, and we had a lot of fun, but uh, bottom line is that that taught us more work ethic, and eventually, uh, you know, I, my 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 coach made me the captain of the team, my wrestling team, also my football team. I was the captain of, and that confidence they gave me carried on the rest of my life enough that I started in the paving business right out of high school. And uh, we grew to be today. We're the biggest commercial paving company in America. We pave parking lots in every state in the country. We pave them in concrete and asphalt. And I've got uh, 13 companies right now within the Raybine group and uh, blessed that we could be doing this in, in this great country, America. You know that it, again. It starts with work ethic and 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 a little bit of grit, in my opinion, because you get tough times in business. I've been been knocked to my knees a few times where I lost everything I had. Um, today we've got uh, we've got we're very successful, very little debt, and uh, really dominating our industry in the in the country. So so, but it all started with, in my opinion, with work ethic. You know, a vision, a vision of uh, what success could look like. And, uh, and, and the, the ability to understand how to lead people, uh, which I believe is inspiring people to be better than they could be if you weren't there, right? In other words, I, if I can inspire people to be better than they would be without me, that's a good thing. And if I can do that in my business, with my, my, business, my leaders in business, as well as uh, anybody that I, that I can mentor, um, I believe we're, we're doing the right stuff. And it, it all pays off. Gary, I'm, I'm a big advocate of the sport of wrestling. Don's also, he's a big advocate of, of wrestling there. Because I, I, there's no other sport quite like it. It's uh, the definition of amateur wrestling. It's a team sport based upon individual performances. So the team can lose, and yet I can still go on to win. And I, I, I always like putting all the chips into 
my basket. It's kind of going, I can't, I, again, I, I love the sport of football way more than I did for the sport of amateur wrestling. But it's like, am I going to count on this guy to get his block? Am I going to count on this guy to get his tackle? Am I count on this guy, this guy, this guy? I'm like thinking, you know, people can only hold strong for so long. And that, you know, that team camaraderie, you know, I was on a phenomenal high school football team that should have done a lot more than what it did. And, but when it did, this guy going down, I saw the right on the wall. It's like, I have to choose a sport that I will create my own destiny. And that's the sport of wrestling. But again, I chose that sport of wrestling because it was also a way for me to pay for my college education. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, I use athletics as my window of opportunity. Um, I was, you know, first look at that going into the military. I ran out of high school, going to the military for maybe uh, four years, come out of the uh, military, and then go on to uh, college on the GI Bill. But, you know, by my sophomore year, I actually had college coaches starting to look at me. I'm going, oh, we have option number two. So I do a lot of speaking to young people about how to create options for yourself. And even though sometimes uh, things look a little bit dire for you, you'd be surprised what you do, especially in, in this world that we have right now of, of uh, emails and uh, social media. There's so many things that you can create right now that's it's mind-boggling to me. I just wish I had a few more skills in these areas. No doubt, no doubt, lots of opportunity if you if you go after it. But again, yes. I think that the, 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 like you're saying though, that the, the foundation of a sport like wrestling, uh, you know, I, I like football also, I was, I, and I and I, I, it was kind of funny, very similar situation. I, I I was at a great wrestling school for my first two years of high school, then we moved to a, to a place where we had a, a lousy wrestling school, brand new wrestling program, actually, that my brother and I were the studs of, we we're the stars of a, of a team that uh, was really bad. And so we, you know, we won a lot and went downstate and all that, but you know, nobody else did. Um, what, but in my football team at that same school was way better than my, my school before that. We actually were, you know, co-champs and, and, uh, and, and of our, of our, of our division. And unfortunately back then in our age, we, we didn't, uh, we got beat six to nothing by a team that was our coach, the co-champs to us. So they didn't, they went downstate, but either way, bottom line is fun, fun times. But I think, you know, if we look at what, you know, what we learn as kids, it's so important for our future. And, and what we teach our kids as parents is so important for the future of those kids. I think that, you know, some people miss, miss that. They, they miss, they, they think their kids are supposed to have everything, all the things they need instead of all the love and discipline that they need. And, uh, you know, my, my kids today run my companies. I've got uh, my son, 35, oversees 13 companies. My daughter, 33, oversees our big, one of our biggest companies, our national business, Rabine America. And, and they, they, they've, been, they've been working since they were very young. Um, even when we, we, my wife and I had a little bit of money, we, we didn't let them know. We didn't, we didn't, they, they didn't know we had any money because they were working their, their, their asses off, right? And, and so we, with four kids, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that they all had independent, an independent mind and the ability to, to, to kick ass at anything to do in life. And, and that starts with work ethic. And I think it's so important to teach our kids work ethic and then give them more love than, than you could, than anybody could ever give them. Um, and, and a lot of, and a lot of discipline, right? And if we do those things right, um, we, we grow great people. Unfortunately today, I don't see enough of that. Well, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there, especially what, you know, showing that love. Sometimes they think when, when you know, the kids say, when, you, when you're coming down to find them, they, they don't really see the love, but it's kind of going, sometimes it's not as tough love when you have to kind of drop, drop the hammer on them, knowing that I'm trying to mold you into a, uh, an adult that's going to be responsible for things down the road. You know, exactly. you, have to say, exactly. you have to be able to say no at different times. And then, uh, then if you cast out, 
because my kids always used to be saying no to this or no to that. And then I throw out every now and then I go with the maybe and I go, well, what's a maybe? I go, I have to think, I have to think about how many different ways this could go wrong first. And I go, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, and if you look at society again, we look at society and how we raise our kids is the same thing in society. Right now, I ran for governor recently. I, I was uh, about a month ago. We, I lost six people in my, in my Republican uh, primary and I lost that race. But you know, my whole thing was, uh, you know, I want to straighten out Chicago and the, and the cities in Illinois that are falling apart with with crazy violence. And, it, and it's it's one thing. It goes back to the same thing we just talked about. Right. Accountability. Right. Yep. These people, these people don't raise their kids with accountability. They, it, it, you know, one parent families, unfortunately, have a tougher time doing that, like we have so often in these in these urban environments. But, you know, as a society, if we don't hold those the little shits accountable when they're stealing, you know, Five, you know, five dollars worth of stuff or a hundred dollars of stuff, right? Heck, in Chicago, they're not so holding accountable if you steal nine hundred ninety-nine dollars worth of stuff. You're not going. Yes. You're not going. You're not. You're not going to get arrested, okay? They're not even. Gonna, they're not even going to chase you down. They're going to say to the, to the store owner, "Don't be so cheap. They must have needed more than you, right?" So we've got to change that in society. Unfortunately, the left-wing nut jobs that run our country right now and, and our state of Illinois, um, they don't care. You know, this is Marxism and socialism. Marxism is a system that doesn't hold people accountable because they they want that chaos, right? They want that division, right, of, of people where you know we have the violence that, that it creates. So um, again, we need we need accountable accountable people and, and as uh, as kids, we need, and we need a whole society accountable for the the mistakes or the or the the crimes they create. Good, Gary. Uh, I I would cast my, my vote for you. No problem. I, I never said you just said just now. I was like, oh, geez, I'll beat. I think I, I love this guy. <laughs> and, I, and I might run for governor again because yeah, no uh, wonder you, know, you lost there. Because yeah. yeah, doesn't make doesn't surprise me that you didn't win in that state. Well, that's actually for that's actually for the Republican primary though, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. So so again, I, I lost the Republican primary because there's 130 over 130 million dollars invested in our primary. I, I, I had what would be normally a decent amount, about $5 million invested. But my opponents had 55 million, 48 million, and over 20 million, right? The, the three out of three out of the six of us. So it was tough to, to catch them with name recognition because they, they, they could afford all the commercials they wanted. Yep. And I, I, I couldn't do a lot of commercials across the state of Illinois. So again, money does buy you votes in, in the state of Illinois and, and many states, right? So, 100%. I mean, that, that, but that, that's sad, Gary. I mean, I, I, I always said that, why is it there just simply a cap put on, on all these politicians that are running for offices? Because when you look at how many millions of dollars are wasted through each election that takes place. And, and, and you know, sad as, as it is, usually it's because when most people, when they do finally decide to vote, they probably shouldn't be voting in the first place because they're, they're not educated whatsoever. And they go in and they like, what name did they, did even, do they even resonate with? Well, I heard about this, this yep. person's name. And that's what they, they think about. And like, I don't want you to vote in the first place. You're an idiot. Yeah, you know, that's and that, right. So I, I wish I, I wish it wouldn't even vote, uh, but uh, well, no, yeah. So so definitely, um, you know, I, I believe there should be limits, campaign limits, and, and I'm going to fight for that also in the state of Illinois. We should be fighting for that across the country. We we got fat socialists like our governor Pritzker. Okay, um, the guy's 450 pounds probably. He uh, he uh, he served as, as our health czar in the state of Illinois through COVID. Okay, got the guy. Uh, your your health your health czar. 
Yeah, he was our wow. he's our he's, he's our he governor, right? He's, he's our governor, but he told us all how to live our lives through through COVID, right? And again, he's, he's hot water now. What's that? Oh, you're yelling at the kid here. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no problem. But yeah, so either way, right? We we've got to you know we've got to let good people. And, and again, if you let people just buy elections like our governor did, he's a billionaire, and and he'll put a hundred to two hundred million dollars of his of his money in the race, money that he never he never raised himself, he never built anything himself, right? It's easy when you're a trust fund billionaire to to throw a hundred million dollars at a race and, and and have a great chance of winning it. It just uh, again, it just kind of just grates uh, grates me uh, just to, to hear that kind of stuff because it's uh, you know you you, again, you you come from that 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 story that I, I want people to hear. I mean the fact that you you did something on your own. I mean you first off you said you started off in this, in this asphalt company. Did you actually work for an asphalt company to begin with, like in, in high school, and then then you you decided to morph into it? I mean just that's a great, that's a great yeah great question. So. You know, I, I actually uh, did all kinds of things as a kid from 10 years old on. And at 13 years old, I started uh, I started grading driveways. Okay, wait, wait, we'll stop you right there. 10 years old now. Okay, so 10 years of, of age, you're basically, uh, uh, what, fifth grade at, at, at most? Yeah. yeah okay, so grade, what, right? what were you doing at, at fifth grade? I'm just kind of curious. Well, you had me, we had paper routes back then, right? So um, okay. I, my paper route, I got $6 a week, and I usually got a couple dollars in tips every week. And I and I deliver papers every day and, and 35 35 uh, papers a day, and uh, but the cool thing is I gained I gained mowing I, I gained mowing jobs along that route. I was mowing a bunch of the older folks' homes, so that I made more money doing that than I did papers. And then the biggest the, the jackpot I hit was we had two marinas near my house on my paper route. Okay, and then on Friday Friday morning or excuse me Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings I hit the dumpsters for aluminum cans and recyclable bottles. And so I, I recycled bottles and aluminum cans, and that's where I made big money. That's where I made, you know, thirty, forty dollars a week, and that was that was uh, the jackpot, right? So as a, as so, a so okay, okay, what was it referred to as dumpster diving at that point in time, or, dumpster, or just diving for, for treasure? I've got a song that I that I wrote. So I have a podcast too, you know. It's called Ditch Digger CEO, and Ditch Digger CEO. I've got a song, and it talks about dumpster diving for aluminum cans. So yeah, dumpster diving. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I did as a young guy. And then eventually I started uh, grading driveways, running a little Bobcat uh, for a driveway company. I did that all through high school, right? So I, I, I did that, worked for my dad. Did, I did a lot of things, but I like paving and, and, and operating rollers and equipment better than anything else. So that's what I, fo I focused on when I graduated high school. Well, I could definitely see where that, that would uh, move in there. I mean, the first time I ever had like, the heavy machinery was probably... Uh, within my, my first two years in college there, um, I, I have to be dating uh, a young lady that that father owned this big construction company, uh, uh, landscaping, quarry, things of that nature. And he brings me out on this, uh, he, he owns like a couple thousand acres right along the Grand Canyon. And it's just, just a beautiful type of study right there. And he takes, takes me out this front and loader. And basically, I'm on like a 40-acre parcel. And he's like, oh, it just simply shows just how you start it. He goes, just, just don't drive it over the edge. And they come, <laughs> he's like, figure everything out yourself. I'll, I'll see you here. I'll see you back in about six hours from now. And That's go, awesome. Okay. So, yeah. What kind, so of work were you, what kind of work are you doing? Are you doing grading or what are you doing? Ripping well, out basically, trees? I was actually just clearing land because at that time, uh, the sagebrush was choking out all the uh, the grasslands. And, and he actually had some grasslands for 
uh, grazing cattle that. So that's all I was really doing was just clearing some land just so they could uh, drop some more uh, wheat seed and things of that, that barley seed, things of that nature. So they had some, sure. some nice grasses for the uh, the animals to, to graze upon. So that's all it really was. It. But it was just a beautiful, what, what a beautiful setting there. Just uh, because the civilization, I was, I was a good half hour from civilization, as you know it, and uh, you know had a bunkhouse, so it was like pretty cool. The fact that you're just you're there by yourself, and uh, you each morning actually taking like taking a rifle, putting it into the horse, taking a horse out to the pasture where I'm, I'm going to be working in this this forty acre parcel today. But like I said, he, he owned uh, I forget like he, he owned a couple thousand acres right along this, and, and so I'd be like in one forty acre parcel here, then I'd be over into another forty acre parcel and. And every two three weeks, uh, playing with yeah, yeah, he had own he had a a, a rough land landing strip. Uh, the guy actually flew a plane or something like that. Would come on in every couple of weeks, check on in to see how, how progress was going, and I would go just kind of ahead of his time. I think at the time. So that sounds like sounds like fun work. I love I love uh, aiming on heavy heavy equipment, knocking down trees or excavating or building parking lots. Like it's, it's all fun to me. Well. The, the, the sad part when I was working for the same guy is when when when, you, when they when you're working at the actual uh, the, uh, the the grinder, where basically you, you you turn big rocks into little rocks. That's yeah, where pressure. when you when you spend when you spend about eight hours doing that and you hear all that noise, right? You got you got you got uh, earplugs in. You got your face mask on because you're just not doing nothing but sucking up dust at, at all times. So, yeah. I've done a lot of that crushing, crushing stone, crushing rockets. Uh, yes, that's a loud, that's a loud, dirty business. The loud, dirty business in, in Arizona, it's the mighty warm business. Mighty yep. warm. So, so, my thing, Don, is I focus on dirty businesses and I make them sexy, dude. That's what I do for a living. So, I've got uh, our paving business uses the best technology in the world. And we, uh, we do our, a lot of our own engineering. We have some great engineers that build pavements that'll last longer than our competition in concrete or asphalt pavements, right? So we make a paving business pretty sexy because we're doing things nobody else is doing. And I, we've, got, uh, we've got some technology companies that, that, uh, that, we, that we started that, that really uh, are, are ancillary to our businesses, but we use drones. We fly drones everywhere in the, in the world now. And we assess the condition of pavements and roofs like nobody else in the world. And that business uh, is growing rapidly, but it's a lot of fun. Again, we, we focus on differentiation that makes us better, stronger, faster than any competitor in the world. And that's what we do constantly. So every, every business of our 13 businesses has a differentiator. Usually the differentiator is some type of technology, whether it's 3D, tech, 3D technology or it's, it's artificial intelligence. Um, uh, you know, we've, we've, we do some of the cool stuff. And it's because we network across the globe with the best minds in the world in every trade we're in. So every CEO I have, his, his job, his, his, his objective is to, be, to become, become a world-class company. Even if it's a $2 million company and they're competing in an industry of $100 million companies, their goal is to kick the crap out of all of them, right? And so as a competitive guy that I am, if, I, if we can't differentiate strong enough to be world-class within a short period of time, within, within 10 years, um, we're probably not gonna be in that business. And right now we're world-class in, in four of our companies. They have no competition out of our 13 companies and the other, the other nine companies are, are going to get there also. If, if they don't, we'll be probably, uh, we'll probably be selling them. Right. But uh, so again, it's, it's easier today. You mentioned technology. You use it for the right reasons. It's a blessing, right? If you're using it for yes. porn, 
not such a blessing. It makes you a creepy, creepy dude, right? Yeah, so again, yeah. so, so what do we do? We use we use technology to be the best in the world in many things. And and today it's easier to do that than ever before, as you mentioned earlier. Um, if, if you if you maximize your relationships to the world's best minds in, in technology and engineering in my industry, we take these dirty businesses, we make them sexy as heck. People love them. Wow. You okay, you, you said you have four four of your business right now that are that are at that world class level that that uh, you're 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 happy with right now. Oh yeah, I'm happier than that. They're growing value like crazy. So we our goal is to grow enterprise value on an annual basis. That's my my CEO of every company has a goal of growing their enterprise value, right? Not so much uh, do they make enough profit. They got to make profit, right? But they but they have to understand their industry, understand what what creates value in that business. And their goal is to grow value. And once you hit, hit that world-class status, your value grows ex exponentially, right? Because you're now not, you're not just a commodity, right? And there's many, many, many companies out there, private equities and otherwise, that want to buy you. Now, we don't sell too many companies. We sold a couple. Uh, my goal is to continue to grow what we got and, and, and continue to be our own kind of private equities. But we don't, we don't, we don't sell too often, right? We don't, we, only if the, if the number gets so stupid high, then we, then we sell, right? So. We continue to grow these businesses. Well, you sound like you're a pretty sharp guy there, Gary. To where you you've got uh, you've got your various CEOs of these these companies. Do they have uh, what I, again I call it the dangling carrot that that they know that there's something that, that that's in it for them, so that if they make this company really successful and stuff like that, that uh, they're a part of it and uh, they receive yes. good residuals yeah. off of it. So they're either some they have some stock usually in the companies. Um, they're, they're percentage owners. Some of them are partners that are a couple percent. Some are five percent. Some are 49 percent. Okay, owners in the businesses. So depending on what their what their level of uh, what 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 fires them up the most. Some I have some that just want big big salaries and big bonuses. I'm okay with that. The, they're going to be bigger bonuses than salaries probably because I want them incentivized sure. to kick butt, and I'm not just going to pay them big salaries. So. But my best, my best leaders end up being owners and, and equity holders in the businesses they're running. Um, now they got skin in the game and now they're, they, you know, they can, they can grow some serious wealth if they, if, if they can grow that business to being, you know, the level that I expect them to be. Right. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and, and all this stuff. Right. I mean, you think about this, you know, people, people say, oh, where'd you get this education? Right. By, well, you know what? I, I got my education from the college at Hard Knocks by, by getting, digging in just like we did in wrestling. Right. You know, learn, get my butt kicked for a while, understanding why I was getting my butt kicked, and then started kick, kicking butt myself. It's the same thing in business, right? You're going to take your lumps. You hopefully don't take too many, and you hopefully learn from other people's mistakes. Same yes. way you can with wrestling, right? Watch some good wrestlers, watch, watch bad wrestlers get beat up, and, and say, okay, I'm not doing that, right? But either way, it's just like this, like business, where you know, if we, if we, if you dive into stuff and and you just work your butt off. You're going to eventually feel, you know, figure out what what causes you the most stress and what causes you the most success, and that's what we do in our businesses, right? But, but we also find mentors, just like just like you, you know, you guys and in, in what you've done in your life, right? You find mentors that are extremely good at what you what you want to be great at, and and if you befriend them and you, you gain their confidence and trust, they're there for you too, and that's and that's the other thing I'm big on is mentorship. Yeah, no, I totally totally agree on the, the mentorship. I've got a number of. Uh, older gentlemen that i keep referring back to on, on, on all occasions there right now so uh, there's a few things that are coming up here even in the short term have you ever heard of the, the name mike chapman mike chapman has written probably 16 or 18 
books on the sport of amateur wrestling alone. He uh, wow. probably one of the biggest authors on the sport uh, for quite a few years. He used to always be at the national tournament and he would have a display set up with all of his different books and that uh, at the NCAA tournament, typically. Jesus, uh, just 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 a a great guy that I I end up getting to know uh, as a freshman at Arizona State University. I end up uh, writing uh, several nice articles. I happened to meet him one time, and I just you know, shook his hand and said thank you for you know things he does, and, and I've stayed in contact with him ever since that time time frame to where now. I just received another e email from him today, and he's talking about another documentary he's, he's got coming out because the guy's in his uh, early eighties now himself. So he's uh, got another documentary that's coming out. So he doesn't rest on his laurels. He's still working, still doing things, and uh, you know. But health is starting to decline a little bit there as well. So, but, but Don, you know what? Uh, my my best my best mentor mentors uh, that have been in my life are in their eighties and nineties, and yeah. and they're and they're still a blast to be around because they're thinking twenty years ahead still. Okay, they're thinking twenty years ahead, and their and their their minds their minds are constantly working. I'm very confident that that exercising, just like your 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 body parts, your muscle, right, your your, your chest, your legs, your arms, just like exercise. No, you exercise your brain with with challenges, right? And and I guarantee you, you're going to live longer, live happier. People are going to want to be around you more too, right? So think about that buddy of yours you just mentioned, that mentor, like yeah. my mentors, right? I have mentors that are 90. I got a mentor I think about 94 years old. You you talk to him, you're excited to be around the guy because he's talking like. In 20 years, here's what's going to happen. You better be ready for this, Ray Bine. You know, you get, you know, and he'll talk about talk about politics. He's, he's spot on in politics. He's a strong conservative. He loves America. Strong entrepreneur, and and uh, and yet, like I said, his mind's constantly working way forward. And again, that's what I want to be, right? As I get older, I want to be the, the the old guy that the young guys want to hang around with, so they can they can they can be inspired by my stories. And what does yes. that mean? That means we're constantly adding value to life. Instead of being a detriment, we're adding value to life just by inspiring people to do things they might not do otherwise. Yeah, I got a question fits. for you. If I can, geez, if I can jump in here, y'all take a breather here. Jump in, Don. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey. Uh, uh, Illinois is uh, really liberal, and but but uh, you have you have some uh, gun companies there. Out of the two mitts, when you have some of the worst gun laws in the country. Well, you know what? I think if you know, we have plenty of people that have a lot of backbone, like myself. We have a lot of guns. We we uh, we you know yeah yeah. There's a lot of gun laws, but we still have we still have concealed carry here, and uh, and, and you know we have we have a FOID card, which is stupid, but otherwise, like I said, you get through that, and, and we and we have a concealed carry. But I carry half the time, at least, depending on where I'm be for the day. And, uh, and I, and I shoot guns a lot. So yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, no matter what, no matter where you can be in a, a, a left-wing crazy state like ours that that constitution, if it works right, like if we let it continue to work, right. Protects us, doesn't it? And that's, that's what we expect here. But yeah, we got some nuts. We got some nuts. How, how come the, uh, how come the gun, gun companies continue to stay in the state Illinois when you have, you know, like I said, some of the worst laws in the country. You know, Don, I think overall, some of them are stuck here. I, I, I'm a, uh, like I said, I got 13 companies here in Illinois and my CEOs that I spoke about earlier, most of them want to get the heck out of here. I'm sure those gun companies want to get out too, but I bet there's a market here for them, local market that they can dominate because they're here, right? 
Um, so I, I think I think a lot of them stay because they can't afford to up and leave and, and, and buy a building somewhere else, maybe. Right. Manufacturing, once you build it, is is expensive to move. Um, but guess what? We're getting so crazy. The state is getting so stupid with the high regulation. That's why I, I ran for governor because I'm gonna, I was going to go after the stupid regulatory environment here and the stupid tax environment here. We're the highest in America on both those fronts. But again, what you said is, is, is the case. Those gun companies, they probably won't be here forever unless they just think they have to be because their market's here and their manufacturing's here. You know, Alice, their market there. I mean, I, when I was, last couple of times I was in Illinois, I, I used to go there for the Godzilla convention because I made a Godzilla movie back in 2005. I was in a 50th anniversary Godzilla movie, you know, in, in Japan. Was, and um, even to touch a gun, you go into a gun store, it, just to look at a gun, you have to have a card, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. That's, that's obscene. It sure is. It's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, out in the counties, if you're in Cook County, it's really bad. If you get out where I'm at, McHenry County, we love our guns, and it's a little it's a little looser. But you still need a you still need that card, right? To to uh, to, to pick up a gun to do whatever, right? So yeah, there, it's a it's it's not the free country it's supposed to be in Illinois right now, and that's why I'm going to continue to fight this this crazy Marxist movement we got. Yeah, you know, I I like Texas. I mean, I think it's a beautiful state, and uh, you know, it doesn't have a state income tax, but. In Arizona, we have the best gun laws in the country. You know, our gun laws are better than Texas gun laws. You know, last year they just caught up with us as to allow um, you know, open carry. We've had open carry for 50 years. You know, now uh, about eight or 10 years ago, uh, some nut shot, shot some people up. And uh, instead of handicapping us with more laws, we opened it up more and we said, okay, listen, everybody can carry concealed without getting a concealed license. You know, that way <laughs> people, if, if people had a goddamn gun in their hand, this guy might not have whacked as many people. That's right. You know what? The, you know, good guys with guns are, are a blessing. Bad guys with guns are, are going to be a lot worse if you don't have good guys with guns that are going to stop them, right? Right, right. And I'll tell you what. Bad guys are always only the guns. I look at the idiot that ran people over, you know, uh, two nights ago. Um, you know, uh, they're having some kind of money. Jeez, um, uh, I, I blew this last night, too. I, I couldn't come up with it last night. Um, <laughs> but it's got you know, a rally or a benefit. What? Was it a rally? Okay. No, they were having like a... A GoFundMe type thing uh, for somebody, and some some idiot got in his car and ran over eight eight people. You know, I mean, if if you want to kill somebody, you're gonna find a way to kill people. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Bad guys are always gonna get guns because there, there's gonna be plenty of people selling them if, if if good guys can't get them. So um, we we've got it. We've got well, it. Your your guy uh, your guy sold sold some of our guns over in Mexico. Uh, you know, a decade ago, and uh, ended up killing a couple of our border patrol agents. You know, so said even even who's the people who are supposed to be honest and uh, running the government are, are selling guns. Absolutely, no. It, there's a 
there, there's uh, there's bad people everywhere. And, there, and unfortunately, we've got a lot of socialist-minded, Marxist-minded people right now that are out to ruin our country. And that Constitution, that Second Amendment, means a heck of a lot. We got to make sure that we we fight hard to keep it and and make it stronger. What that's what drew you to politics in the first place, there, Gary? What drew me to politics? What, you know, you know what? I, I yeah. lost I lost my wife here almost two years ago, and uh, a brain cancer. And she was an amazing woman. You know, she she you know, she taught me a lot. But you know, she taught me faith, and she you know she basically got there's a plan. Every every person's uh, got got the, their plan that God has for them, and. You know, her, her, she, she was, uh, she left this earth, but she inspired a lot of people to get closer to God before she left. And for me, for me, I'm, I'm bothered about what we've been talking about. I'm bothered that we have billionaires, some of the richest people in the, in the world are trying to, trying to make us a socialist communist country. Okay. This Marxist movement is, is, is going to, is going to ruin our country. It's going to ruin the world. Okay. Because we're, we're, we're the beacon that, that other countries look forward to. Yes, that, 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 you know, there's lots of lots of lots of countries that have built their own type of constitution since we did. And some of them fairly successful. None of them as successful as us. But all these countries yeah, got, you know, became a, a, a freer country. OK, when they when they organized us to be a communist, a socialist communist country like they're trying to do that bright light dulls to nothing. And, and, and this, this beacon is gone and, and the world becomes a very dark place. I want to make sure that my kids, my my, I've got three grandkids. I got Lincoln, Sienna, Raphael. I'm with them out here today, and I want to make sure that they live in a free country as we did. And I'll be I'll be pissed. I'll, I'll be really I'll be really sick uh, if I'm looking down from heaven and I see my grandkids living in a communist environment that these these son of a guns want them to live in. Well, that's the thing, you know. The reason why these new constitutions they don't have a second amendment. You know, no, and, you're right. And that's where they went wrong. That's yeah, where they right. failed their people. Yes, you're you're exactly right. That's the biggest thing they're missing. Let's go back a little bit to talk about how you started up your businesses. You said you, you know, were great in driveways at young age. You know, for when you were a kid. And I know a little bit. Said you were doing like four bucks an hour from your dad, and then someone offered you like a dollar more to help them out during the summer. That's right. Yeah. Five bucks, five bucks more an hour. I said, I'll take it. And uh, whenever my dad didn't need me, I was working for that guy. And after that, you said you finally got up to your first Bobcat and then where'd you go from there? Yeah, no. Well, so, you know, it's funny, but when I graduated high school, I was, I was around a study hall class and my podcast will talk about this. Little, it's called Ditch Digger CEO for a reason. I was in study hall class and my buddies, football players, wrestlers, they're all talking about what colleges they're going to. And one of my smart ass buddies says, Rabbi, so where are you going to college? I say smart because he knew I was knew I wasn't going to college. He knew me well. And I said, Al, I'm not going to college. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna either I'm gonna either you know do paving or I'm gonna do landscaping. I'm gonna figure out how to start my own business. And he goes, So uh so you're gonna be a ditch digger, Rabine? And he says, The world needs ditch diggers, Rabine. And so uh uh, you know, I, I, I just, I'll never forget the, the feeling of that. And then he actually, you know, loudly said to the whole study hall class, he says, so, so Rabine's going to be a ditch digger right? loudly. So everybody could hear. And uh, either way, right. I, I didn't uh, think anything was wrong with being a ditch digger, but you know, he was trying to belittle me because every, everybody else was going to college. And uh, you know, I, I, I knew for sure that I knew how to make money. I knew that I had a passion for this industry and uh, it's worked out pretty good. So, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I like to be a proponent for 
um, kids that aren't really built for a college education, right? There's many out there that are pushed to go to college. Sometimes they don't finish. Sometimes they get a degree. They pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for it. It does nothing for them, right? We hire, we hire, we'll hire 100, 150 people in the next year in my companies. And we don't care what your education is. I mean, if you're going to be a, an a, a attorney for us or something or a, a accountant, yeah, of course, we want to make sure you got a CPA or a law degree or whatever. But overall, most people in our business, uh, we, we don't even ask. We want to know what their experience is. We want to know how passionate they are and can they live by our core values, right? They can do that. We, we do well. So, yeah, so, so started, with, started with basically nothing. And, and today we're the biggest in the country, what we do. I was one of the founders in starting an organization called Turning Point USA. Charlie, Charlie Kirk is the CEO. I mentored Charlie Kirk early on, 18, 19 years old, and, and I was one of his first uh, investors and, and first mentors. Charlie Kirk today has about half a million kids in Turning Point USA, and all we do is constantly educate our kids in college campuses why their professors and their administrators are nut jobs, teaching them that communism and socialism is good. Okay, and we educate them on why it's so important that we hold on to these 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 free market these free market capitalistic ideas, right? And and this Constitution, why how how valuable the Constitution is, Second Amendment, First Amendment, right, and everything else. So that's what Charlie Kirk does today, Turning Point USA, and it's an amazing organization that that's growing rapidly. So it's a lot of fun to be a part of that. He's the fellow that's on Fox News um, periodically, correct? He's on Fox all the time. He's got his own radio, national radio show, own national, his own national podcast. Um, he's a super sharp kid, and uh, he's 28 years old, and he didn't go to college. Right, right. That's a good story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got his shit together. He, he's got his shit together, and it proves, you know, you don't need a piece of paper hanging on the wall, you know, telling everybody how smart you are, or that, you know, basically uh, – any idiot get that piece of paper as long as they put in the time and pay the money. Yeah, that's right. Now, how about how about all these kids now? I talked to a friend of mine here yesterday. Um, three kids in college last year, last couple of years, and and the one kid right now is a junior. He's got he's is his first semester in college, paying like eighty thousand dollars a year. First semester actually in school. The first the first two years all virtual and paying $80,000 a year. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's a, it's a scam. It's a scam. Yes, it is. You know, and you got people convinced that you've got to have a piece of paper um, from, a, from a university telling everybody how smart you are. And that's the only reason they should hire you, you know, is because you have this eight by 10 piece of paper informing the world you know you you're educated you're better you're better off going to work like we said i mean our our trades jobs pay six figures within a few years of, of, of learning you know in our, in our trades jobs whether it's uh operating heavy equipment laboring concrete finishing whatever and uh um you know there's kids that out of high school are making six figures within a couple of years out of high school well, that's heck of a lot better than paying six figures for, for a year for an education if they don't know what they want, right? You're going to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, accountant, whatever, I guess, you know, maybe it makes sense. But 80% of the, the diplomas they get are junk. Right. Correct. And, you know, eventually you're going to need somebody to come through that front door of yours 
to fix the light or the plumbing or something like that in your house. And you'll be paying them $200 an hour, you know, just yeah. to walk through the door. Yes, that's right. Gary, I'm really uh, interested with uh, all the things that, that you're doing here right now. The thing is, you said you do have a golf course, so right? I do, are, yeah. Are you, revitalize your golf course. But, I mean, I'm, but, a, I'm kind of a piss poor golfer, actually. I, I don't, I'm not patient enough to play it too often. I like to work a lot, a lot more than golf. But I do like golf for, you know, to get to know people. So I do play some golf. I got, uh, you know, when I wanted to get good, I played it for a year, got up in the morning and hit balls early morning and uh, got a lesson, couple lessons and, and knocked, knocked uh, 11 strokes off my game. So I got to be good at one point and then I kind of, you know, didn't have time again for the last few years. So I'm back to being bad again. But I own two <laughs> golf courses. I, I own two golf courses at one time. I revitalized my first golf course. And then sold that, and then I, I bought another one. Uh, this this one's a world class golf club. I, I go back to world class, right? This is a golf course that had all the bones to be a great golf course. Today, my goal was for it to be a world class golf course. It's rated 30th most challenging championship golf course in America today. It's called really? Bull, yeah, it's it's called Bull Valley. Actually, this is this is a hat actually that that uh, represents the golf course. It's a badass golf course. So we say go go try to play the bull. It's going to kick your ass. And so, uh, but Bull Valley is a, a place where, you know, big golfers that like, like a major challenge will come and play. We also hold some pro professional tournaments there and stuff. So, yeah, we, ma we made it, we met, we took it from being a bankrupt course, losing, losing a half million a year to a, a profitable a private golf course that makes about a half million a year. Right. So it's about, that's all about what I love doing, turn around, turning things around, right. Taking a bad economic situation and making a good one. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of things I love doing. I do it with my with businesses, and my goal is to do with Illinois in the in the worst economic state in the country. Um, when I become governor, eventually, when I do, or if I help somebody else, um, I, I understand the economics of Illinois and how we can change it. So you definitely need your type of leadership. They're all together. You would get really uh, get along really well with another gentleman that both Don Fry and I know uh, by the name of Art Martori. Uh, basically, he's probably one of the reasons why I ended up signing with uh, Arizona State University. He ended up starting the, the Sunkiss wrestling program. Um, I always, when I, when I was looking for a college to go to, um, I made it very well known that I was going to go to, a, I was going to sign with a college program that had both a, uh, a, good, uh, a good folk style program, but also had some type of interest into an international wrestling, freestyle Greco. And, uh, bas and basically, uh, because there's, there's a lot more opportunities. We have a lot of people, they, they, they think short-term, if uh, we're, we're the only country that, that does folk style, the rest of the world does freestyle Greco. So if you yeah. want to go to Olympic Games, want to go to World Championships, you have to know freestyle Greco. So it's, um, I'm sure, you, you were, were you involved in, in freestyle Yeah, Greco I actually, I actually got, I got in freestyle Greco tournaments when I was a kid because I want to get better at, at folk, folks wrestling, our, you know, our, our wrestling. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I look at folk style is still t taking people down and putting them on their back is the name of the game. Okay. And uh, I always tell people that, uh, you know, beating someone by just a couple points is one aspect because in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, they only beat me by a couple points. I, I can get better and I can come back. But when someone grabs you, the ultimate thing in wrestling is to grab somebody and put them on their back against their will and then pin them. And at that point in time, you've kind of stolen their soul. So the next time that they, you walk, they walk on a mat, they're with you, they're going, they're going to be a little bit hesitant as to, to do things. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I always was a big proponent of, of, of uh, telling athletes to you know, go after that, that pin. But again, but Greco, Martori, Greco, 
Greco-Roman seemed to help me for as far as upper body stuff and, and to, uh, you know, hip tosses and throws, right? I mean, I feel like it's more, more uh, almost like a little bit of jujitsu or whatever, right? It's all, it's a lot of throws and stuff that help yep. you in, in folk style wrestling too, then when you yep. go back to it. Yeah, judo, jiu-jitsu, I'd, say, I'd throw that right in there. You know, I mean, the, the, the hardest thing is that uh, college wrestling, collegiate style, same thing with the folk style uh, that the high schools that had to fall up, up under. The biggest difference there is that if you if if you should take take my hips above your hips, you have to return me to the mat safely. Whereas in freestyle Greco, I can bury you three feet under. So that's yeah, the thing I liked right. about uh, the freestyle Greco. Uh, it, it just wrecked. Uh, I'll say sort of a reckless abandonment, but uh, it uh, it prepared me a whole lot better for, you know, jumping into then uh, like the, the mixed martial arts uh, arena. Uh-huh. There you, you go. Because Greco, the clinch, because there's, there's so many of these matches, they always end up in a clinch. You, you will, a striker will only get a chance to throw a couple of strikes before that clinch takes place. And I always just tell people, just watch a boxing match now. Watch a kickboxing match. Watch a, a Muay Thai match. That referee spends more time separating those two fellows, yeah. those two women or whatever, than they they do ever ever competing against That's each true. other. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I always say that a wrestler, the moment they get that clinch, they're just beginning their arsenal. You know, they just had to get rid of way through some hands, some legs, some knees, some elbows in a process there. Right, and right. a lot of, uh, a lot of wrestlers have done really very well in the sport of uh, mixed martial arts, which again, that's, I, that's something I'm proud of the fact that the wrestlers are getting that kind of recognition through it. And plus then I, I know that most wrestlers are not going to uh, piss away their savings. They're 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 usually a lot, a lot more accountable type of individuals that will put forth and invest into the future somehow yeah. and, and into what 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 they're doing. But okay, you said that the, the ditch diggers. Uh, this is your name of your your company, or is the name of of uh, no no your... I so no I, I started a mentorship organization some time ago and uh, oh mentor. Okay. So I met, mentor uh, young people into leadership and, uh, and into entrepreneurs and CEOs and VPs and all that. So I like mentoring people, inspiring them, just like, again, they go back to wrestling, just like great wrestling coaches do. They, they mentor and they, and they give kids a vision that to make that, you know, that, you know, they, that if they acquire these, these, these skills, they're, they're going to be great. They're going to win, right? Same thing. And what I, what I do is I like inspiring people to, to lead. And so I did that with True Mentors, a mentorship organization. And then eventually I did a podcast kind of with that, with my prep, my partner from there, that, from that organization, it's called Ditch Digger CEO. They have 62 episodes and they're episodes of some of the be- biggest rags to riches stories in, in America. People that started with nothing, that have built incredible organizations. Usually almost all my podcasts, all 62 episodes are top 1% in their industry. So my, I'm the first, you know, the first story, but then I got Jimmy John, the sandwich guy, I've got the Netflix founder, I've got the Athletico founder, the Redbox founder. All these people are people that really started with nothing and, and had an idea, uh, had a vision and a, an execution plan and they, they were successful, right? And when you listen to these stories, it's all the stuff we're talking about right now. It's just common sense, hard work, a vision, execution, right? All the things we learn in life if we've got good people around us. No, I t- totally, totally agree with what you're saying on that, Gary. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, having a good people to, you know, my, my father um, had the three, theories of threes. 
you never wanted to get to to number three. Uh, again, if you ever yelled up the stairs, come on, boys, you know, because again, I have, have four of the brothers, stuff like that. So the, the first, even though I have three sisters, stuff like that, they're all so much younger that uh, it was always the, 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 the group of, of the males that were always out there doing all the farm work and stuff like that. So when, when my father would yell up the, the stairs, come on, boys, come on down there. You know, you might slip the foot out of the bed, out of the covers, just thump, thump around a few times. I'm like, oh, okay, Dad, be, 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 be down shortly. You're still laying in bed there. He yells up, up, up the steps, number two. You never let him get to number three because if, he, if, he, if, he's, if he's yelled that third time, it means he's coming up the stairs at that point. And, uh, <laughs> I there love is, it. There's, there's, there's follow through at that point in time, which I say that you got all these parents and people that they, it, it's like warning. Warning, warning, if you don't have any kind of follow through, you're not there to beat the kid, you know, by any means, but you got to have some kind of follow through of taking something away that's going to, you know, motivate them to want to do better the next yes. time. Yeah. Driving accountability is everything, right? I mean, to, in, in so many environments, just simply driving accountability. And the way you do that is if you say you're going to do something, you do it. If you say there's a penalty, you better damn well make sure the penalty is what you said it was. Or next yeah. time they're going to go further. They're going to give an inch. You're going to take a mile. That's like it, it's almost anybody's like that, right? And so, uh, you know, that that's something we miss in society. That, that when you look at Barack Obama, he was a terrible leader because that's what he was. He'd warn, he'd warn and warn and warn and never do anything. And we got he was a, he was a good speaker. That was what he did. He was very eloquent in his speaking ability, but he no substance. No, he substance. wasn't even that good. He wasn't even good as a speaker. The only was good time as good speakers. He had tel teleprompter in front of him. He didn't have a teleprompter in front of him. He sucked. He he, he was ah uh, 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 uh. yeah. So he stammered and sputtered. Yeah. yeah. Listen yeah. to any listen to any of his talks when he had no teleprompter, and you'll see he's not that great of a speaker. He's a good reader, but that's about it. He's he's a good puppet. You know, there's a puppet master that makes him a good puppet, but. That's about it. The guy was useless as a leader. He's useless in every other way, too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, Don. No doubt. And now, unfortunately, I think he's the puppet master for the, the senile old fart we got right now that's leading our country. God. Dump it, dumper. Yeah, oh, geez. And then you got then you got the uh, the vice president who's a moron. Then you got the speaker of the house who's uh, another senile moron. You know, uh, just yeah. it's pathetic. No, we we need to be able to really understand what leadership looks like as we vote. And people people that vote unfortunately don't understand it, right? Like as Dan said earlier, right? It's about who they what name they've seen the most, right? Not about, not about, you know, you know, the history of that person they're voting for. They don't spend the time to look at that. No. Well, how soon do you think it's going to be before they just have a picture of the candidate on the screen instead of their name because people are so dumb they can't read? <laughs> you know? Probably, probably already going on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's going to be an eventuality. <laughs> Now that I get a chance to talk to you, I did not know uh, a lot of things about you. Just here to say that I, I was asking just questions, uh, just as an interested uh, type of an individual, because I'm all about being, uh, you know, self-made type of uh, individuals. And, uh, 
you know, that's kind of like the same thing with what, what Don has been able to do through his uh, athletic career there too. He, he made himself. I mean, he's got uh, more viewership uh, from some of the crazy matches he's had with uh, Takayama to uh, with the Pride uh, fight to Tank Abbott in the, the Ultimate Fighting Championships to uh, uh, the David and Goliath tournament where Don was a, was a uh, was was a David versus versus the, the, some of these Goliaths. So uh, it's uh, I'm I'm just I'm just smiling. I just I just wish I wish I had a crystal ball here that uh, could see a little bit more into the future because. I'm, I'm I'm sad to see uh, the state of uh, the United States. How, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's embarrassing. Uh, the, the, the 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 lack of leadership that we have here right now. Because it's uh, I've I've got quite a few different people from different countries stuff like that. that yeah, that that will touch base with me through uh, different uh, internet uh, connections and that. And uh, you know, they they question me all the time and like, you know, what, what's happening. In your country, and I go well. What's happening right now is uh, is a travesty. Is travesty of, of what's taking place, and uh, I hopefully that there'll be some kind of correction that will be taking place relatively soon. Because whoof, otherwise I can't. Uh, I don't want to see this country going down the, the, the toilet, uh, and that's where so many Americans don't understand the cost of freedom. They don't understand. Um, where we have all these returning veterans who are living out in the streets, who are not getting the kind of care facilities, and they, and they paid the ultimate price with their bodies, with their minds. And yet, uh, what we're doing with the uh, people that are crossing the border illegal, illegally, and there are just so many things that are wrong with our country, but there still is still there is no better country to live inside of. Gary, one of the things that I mean, Don already knows this about me, and so, so does Tony. That uh, I've had, had the opportunity through my amateur wrestling career to travel to basically almost all the uh, other various world power countries. Especially, you know, R Russia was the most dominant force when it came to the sport of wrestling, and all through the '80s, and that there was always the, uh, I'll say, the United States and Russia that were always like bowing their back up as like uh, the two big. Uh, the two big bullies on the block right now just all, all, all puff, or, puff it up their chests towards each other. But uh, when, when you finally go to their countries and see how impoverished the people are and they don't like their governments no more than what, what America's like the government that, that, that we have in right now. It's, it's, a, it's an embarrassment. It's, a, it's people who, are, who have sold out to uh, two two other countries and uh, two uh, two two big big uh, corporations. So Dan, it's, and, you said a lot there, and I can tell you, you know, I think you know we can't hope. We need to get engaged. We got the, the wrestling community is a strong-willed community, a gritty community. There's there's millions of us out there, right? We need to inspire the wrestling community to get engaged. All right, fight, fight for America, educate. I, I've been I adopted our fourth child from Russia. Was there two times? It's a dark, dark world, and, and I got to tell you that it, it, it's it's uh, you know that that's what these 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 Marxist communists want us to be. Okay, so we we it, America is the greatest country in the world. But if we're like like anything we do in life, if you're a wrestler and you're complacent, you're not going to get any better. 
If you're in business, you're complacent, you're not gonna get any better. If you're a country, you're complacent, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fall, okay? And and we will fall if we're if we don't just we gotta stop hoping. You know, hope and change is a bunch of BS, right? We need to start inspiring people, leaders to stand up and fight this Marxist movement. And and we can educate on it. You you like guys like you and I, we've seen these other countries get educated on what a communist environment looks like. It's 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 not it's it's not even mediocre. These people are depressed. They don't smile. They're in a black and white world. Uh, it's it's a terrible place. Again, we're we're we we are the greatest country in the world, but we better fight hard. Or we will lose it in a short period of time. And where again, would tell, right. where, where would you tell? Where would you tell? Sorry, excuse me for interrupting. Where would you tell like someone who's at, maybe in, in high school? You know, those grades. Uh, you know, say that junior, that senior in high school, if they want to learn a little bit more about the. Uh, the, the political system or to become a little bit more engaged. Where, where does someone like that in high school? Now, I, I want to hit on a couple of the demographics. I want to hit on this high school age group, but I also want to hit on, on the college age group. But then there's a lot of Americans that are just, you know, they're, they're part of the, that, that blue collar that they don't have time or they, or they're the two, they don't, they don't tune in to the world enough. Yeah. They just yeah, they, yeah. they they'd rather let status quo go on and the three is that going I totally agree with what you're saying. If you if you're going to vote, make certain that, that you cast your vote, education ed, educate yourself to understand it. But well what you said you there, know, I mean kid kids in high school should be looking at Turning Point USA. Again, I was one of the founders of that because I saw the value of it. I I I've had a couple of bless, bunch of blessings in my life besides my my faith, my family, I've been my own businesses, scaling my own businesses. I've helped scale an organization called Job Creators Network, where people that care about jobs and, and, and what administration, what administrators, what, what uh, politicians care about jobs, right? Job Creators Network talks about all, all the worst regulations that kill American jobs, okay? And we do that. We've got about 400,000 members now. I was one of the founders of that. Turning Point USA, a couple of years later, I was part of helping Charlie found that, you know, build that. Turning Point USO today was scaled crazy. And it's all about educating kids on protecting their own future, right? To tell, educating kids on why this, this constitution is so doggone important and why, and why fighting for this, this constitution, this great country, this America, this, this great country, America, is so important for them. Because if they let, the, if they let these, these Marxist teachers and professors in college teach them the garbage they teach them, they respect that and they get their brains get twisted. They will live in a, in a socialist communist world and it won't take long. So again, that's what Turning Point USA is for. To educate kids every day on why, on why this, great, this, this great American experience um, can continue or it will be crushed if, they're, if, they're, if, they're not, if, their, eyes, if their eyes aren't wide open. Oh, that's good. I, I wrote that down because I would definitely want to mention that a few more times to Turning Point USA. It's, it's all about educating people because it's kind of like the, there's a lot of people that, that they're looking for things, but it's kind of like going, you know, the internet, it's vast. You and can, Dan, uh, the, other, the other thing, Dan, is this, you know, when, when you talk about a, a wrestler in high school and college, we get, we get these, we got Turning Point USA chapters in high schools now too, okay? And, and it takes toughness because when, when you stand up as a, as a, a God-loving, American-loving, uh, you know, constitution-loving person, Second Amendment-loving person in, in high school and college, you're going to catch a lot of flack. Because you got administrators and teachers that are dominant against these principles, okay? So what yeah. do they do? They turn other kids on you, okay? So, so what better than a wrestler to stand up for these, these principles, right? The toughness of a wrestler, the grittiness of a wrestler. When I see wrestlers 
that that fall into it, this this left wing craziness, right? It bugs the heck out of me because those you know those are the kids that can be the most successful in this in this amazing free market, free enterprise country that we have, this great capitalistic country. Because when you're gritty and you're a wrestler like you guys and I am, right? You'll work harder than anybody else to be successful, right? You'll you'll work hard. You got the you'll you'll you you got the grit that other people don't have. And it's a layup for good for wrestlers, wrestling-minded people to be successful in business. And again, we won't have that opportunity for kids in the future. You know, think about wrestlers in Russia. They got nowhere to go after that. They're, they're, they're in that communist system working for the man the rest of their lives. No way that they can be entrepreneurial, build their own thing like we can here. And we want I want to make sure I want to make sure that doesn't stop. No, you're, you're totally right. I mean, I just know that a lot of these teams, when they get the opportunity to, to travel to the United States. Uh, they tr travel. Uh, some of them don't don't head back. They uh, they they stay here because yeah. they, they they realize the opportunities that uh, that they have here that they don't have back at, at their own homes. Absolutely, that's so. the problem. Most of the idiots in the United States of America they don't understand what's going on out there in the rest of the world. Hell, they haven't even left their own block, you know, and uh, you know. It, Back when I was fighting, you know, I had a group of uh, training partners. I took it. I took an idiot to Japan, and uh, I says, you know, you need to go get a passport. You go get this. I says, yeah, it's up there in Phoenix. You know, I mean, you you know where it's at, right? He says, no. We no. Well, I've never been out of the county. You've never <laughs> left the county. You know, he's thirty years old, and uh, it's. People they they bitch and complain, but they don't know what they're bitching and complaining about. Yeah, because they have no experience. Well, and the thing there, Don, is you know what? We don't teach kids two things at school very well anymore. We don't teach them history because we don't want them to know the truth. These idiots don't want them to know the truth. Okay. We also don't teach math very well either. I'm a I'm a math nut. I understand math inside and out, and it's it's done well for me in business to understand math. Right. You, you understand how to make a profit. And you understand over it. If you understand math, you, you need that in business. OK, but guess what? When we introduce kids that got straight A's through high school and college, they come to us. They don't know any history and they don't know math. Right. Very often they're socialist minded kids and, and they can't add or subtract. OK, so, I mean, that I think it's purposeful that we're dumbifying our, our, our schools as we teach them, you know, things that that this that these people want them to know. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you have them dumb. Well, it's just like the Chinese used to say, you know, you want to control them, keep them hungry. You know, yeah. <laughs> keep them hungry and stupid. And that's how you control the population. Absolutely. You know, like Mao Zedong back in World War II, he says, you know, I'll line my people up a mile wide and march them towards you. You'll run out bullets before I run out people. Right. And uh, that's exactly how they feel about their citizens. And that's how our government feels about our citizens. You know, okay. they, sit, they left, leave the border wide open and they just, they're just replacing them. Yeah, you're right. Crazy. Have you ever had any, any, any interaction with uh, Jim Jordan? What's that? Uh, have you ever had any interaction with uh, Jim Jordan, the Congress? I love uh, I love Jim Jordan. I've met him a few times, and what a what an awesome guy he is, right? What a he's he's a, again. That's an example of a greedy guy that's fighting for America. 
Yeah. No, again, that's what we're going to just for you. Know, I, I knew when he was wrestling and stuff like that, that uh, you know, from Ohio, but went to Wisconsin and stuff like that. So I knew Jim at a much younger age. I'd like to, I'd like to see him now just because I, I think he's doing just a, a great job, you know, just, just fighting for America and Americans. So that's so, what I mean. We have, we need more wrestlers to step up because, you know, again, wrestlers have the grit that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. So there's, actually, there's, there's even more of a movement of, uh, a lot of military personnel that are starting to move into the the world of politics and i think that that's good as well because they have seen some pretty horrific things to to understand that you know freedom is not free and then uh and watch uh, some of their fellow uh uh well fellow uh military you just basically you know, you know pay pay the ultimate price with with, with yep. their life uh clinton clinton was the first first president who didn't serve in the military you know, and uh, it just after him, it just went to hell, you know, until until uh, President Trump revived it, you know, and then uh, then it went to hell again. I mean, we had a good thing going underneath President Trump. Uh, he was resurrecting the country and uh, and the the, uh, the criminal, the criminal uh, criminals inside the government couldn't stand it. So. You know, they chased him out and uh, they're doing everything they can to destroy, you know, his reputation and his name. And, uh, and if, they, if they succeed in that, well, then they'll go back to controlling the country again. We, we have to hope that most people can see this. Right. And I think a lot of people are waking up to it. Not maybe not, you know, hopefully, hopefully enough, because you're right. Um, a lot of people are pretty stupid. They believe the press. The press is corrupt. Yeah. But uh, to see what they did with him, to see this this uh, crazy raid that the FBI did, and and you know to come in like like they're at war with with uh, automatic weapons and all the other things is so crazy. Don't call it a raid. It wasn't a raid. You know, oh, it was uh, you know they they were just serving papers. Yeah, 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 with guns. Yeah, <laughs> you know. That'll be interesting yeah. to see how this all really plays out with that. I mean, because it's uh yeah, there's there's so much so much wrong with what what they did and how they did it in the first it's place it's so dirty it's so dirty i mean you've got to be a complete idiot not to recognize the fact well and, and you know this this uh again this this socialist president we have right now has hired you know through through just got approved 870,000 irs agents added 870,000 that's like double what that's that's twice what we already had okay I think we had like 400,000 or something like that, 500,000. Now we're adding, you know, not, not a hundred percent more. We're adding, we're adding 200% more IRS agents. Something's wrong with that picture. Okay. And if Americans don't see this and wake up, you're, 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 you're going to see, they're going to be attacking, not, they're going to attack, they're not going to attack the woke corporations, right? That, that step in line. they're going to attack good people, good, hardworking people across the country. Nope, I totally, totally agree with what you're saying there, Gary. I mean, it's really kind of sad uh, what, uh, right. what, uh, you know, what, hey. what's happening to our country, what's happening uh, with everything else. I think we're actually at a point that uh, I'd I like to kind of you plug a couple more, uh, uh, just one more time, your, your social media outlets right there. We'll kind of we'll wrap this up there. But I, I'd like to actually converse with you at, 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 at another time, though, as well. Off the, off the air, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Anytime, Dan. You, you guys are great guys. And you're my type of people. So anytime you want. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, Gary Rabine, I, I'm a, I, again, Rabine group of companies, my group of companies, 
ran for governor of Illinois, Ravine for governor. Um, I may do that again. We'll see what happens in this next election. Um, but I'm also a cra I'm just a crazy entrepreneur that wants to share uh, the blessings that I've had, right? So whether it's through my podcast, Ditch Digger CEO, or it's through mentorship that I give people, I'm going to continue to do that. Life is short. Every one of us need, especially as wrestlers that understand inspiration and work ethic, every one of us needs to inspire other people to be the best they can be, okay? And fight, and fight for this great country, America. Exactly. I, I, I simply say amen to that one right there. So, all right. Well, that's uh, basically this concludes another episode of Toxic Masculinity. And uh, uh, Gary Rabine, I tell you, you're, you're a good American and uh, been, been an honor, pleasure. We'd like to probably have you on the uh, air somewhere again down the road to see how you are doing with some of the other companies, but then also what you're doing uh, for some up, upcoming political race for yourself. All right. You got it. Well, hey, great talking to you guys. Thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.